What is that in the air? Do you smell the fall season? You should. But it's also now the heartbeat of the college football season. And on this episode of Mike Drop Here, presented by the Believe Network, as well as the Sports Now family of networks, I'm Mike Osti, and we are going to touch on what's going on so far in the college football world, mostly the teams that I do cover here within our region. So we're going to be talking about Pitt, Penn State, West Virginia, and maybe a little bit of the national scene with Bill Bender of the Sporting News. Talked to him before. Happy to have him on again. So, Bill, thanks for joining me. And I know you did say that you do have team logos behind you, but you're not fully in allegiance with those teams. No, yeah, <laughs> my wife's a huge Guardians fan, so she's okay. excited about the uh, – baseball playoffs once the ball's kicked off though i'm gonna be honest once that first ball's kicked off yeah. I, I lose track of baseball pretty quick um so yeah. uh like you said we're knee deep into it october is my favorite month of the year um being fall weather and all those kinds of, i see you got your sweatshirt on you're ready yeah it, it, it's yeah. shorts and hoodie weather i got the shorts underneath i got, I got party <laughs> on the bottom not really that professional on top because it is shorts and hoodie I, season you know what good for you i can't i do i go the opposite way so i think it's just okay. maybe the way my body temperature works is i do <laughs> warm up pants and t-shirt as long as i can and maybe a light okay. pullover but um okay. i can't we're at the when it's in the 50s i'm not in shorts maybe that makes me less manly i don't care I don't know. I wasn't going to do it as a man card type of thing, but I just, I enjoy the the shorts and hoodie. I'm going to drag it out as long as I can be able to throw a vest on at some point here coming up, but especially with, with so much working from home, why not, why not do this? But yeah, you have October, which means you have the fall weather. You have Halloween coming up, yeah. one of my favorite holidays. And of course, now we have enough information to really be able to legitimately discuss these teams in this college football season. People talk about what's going on in college football all year long. And of course, there are preseason polls. People try to evaluate teams after one game. A coach got fired after two. I get it. But now when you have four games under your belt, four or five games under your belt, we got a really solid bar of what's going on. But of course, could have a lot of chaos still to come, and a lot could change. Again, Bill Bender with the Sporting News here. Mike Drop, again, Believe Network, and Pittsburgh Sports Now, WV Sports Now, and Nittany Sports Now. And to start things off, I am going to ask you about the University of Pittsburgh. And Pitt's a team that obviously last year won the ACC, so they're a conference, defending conference champ, and this is actually the last year of this division format, so they won also – be able to win the Coastal, kind of the last time they'll be able to do that. However, new quarterback, new system, not exactly the same cast of characters last year with Jordan Addison gone in at USC. There are a lot of people that feel like Pitt is almost impossible to fairly rank. I know that I do a top 25. My colleague and co-host for another show, mm -hmm. Mike Kovacan, does a top 25 every week for our corresponding outlets. And we're kind of off the mark on, on where we're putting Pitt, and that's really the one thing that we're really far off on because some say that, yeah, Pitt's lost. They lost that game to Tennessee, but they're without their starting quarterback in, the, in that game, and it's really impossible to fairly gauge a team that's dealt with so many injuries to this point in the year. Based on so far what you've seen from the Pitt Panthers, taking into consideration Slovis being out, all the injuries, where do you think you fairly rank Pitt right now? And what hope do they have the rest of the season? Because that loss of Tennessee doesn't really look that bad right now when you're looking to see what Tennessee's kind of become. They're finally putting it together this year. The win over West Virginia doesn't look that great, but granted, the Mountaineers have won two in a row and if they pull off a couple upsets here in a row, they may argue for a ranking or, or something close to that. And their loss doesn't look that bad to Kansas right now. So what do you think of Pitt? Because the record's not impressive as a defending conference champ, but they have dealt with a lot. And the schedule's not exactly been Cupcake City, even though you do have an FCS opponent and and then a, a MAC team that was one on the road at night, which is different than doing it at home. Right. And, and, you know, they're three and one, which to me, they're ranking. What, what are they ranked in the AP pool right now? 20, 
Yeah, 20 something. I, I think I, mean, I could double check. I believe 21, 23 in yeah. that neighborhood. But I, what I'm talking about is there are people that are putting them as as far up and saying they should be 15th because how can you hate the Tennessee game with them being ranked and then you have that being off of injuries. Others are arguing that if they would lose again, they wouldn't be ranked at all and that 25th is maybe right. the best you could do for Pitt. So there's a big disparity of about five or six spots in what you're seeing from a lot of national right. writers, a lot of your colleagues on the Pitt ranking. I would rank them. I'm, trying, I'm actually trying to pull up where I had them ranked last week. Um, I would rank them to be factually accurate. I had them at 23. So I would say anywhere okay. between 19 to 24 is where I would have them ranked. But, but there are facts to this. Like Tennessee is not a right. bad loss. It's not. That's a top 10 right. team that may be playing an undefeated Alabama team here in a couple of weeks. If they take care of their business, losing to them in overtime is not a bad loss. You mentioned it. I, it's hard to get a true feel for them sometimes because of the injuries they went through and then getting Slovis back right. and seeing where they're at. The good news for Pitt, though, and I don't know if this is good or bad, Mike, but not a ranked team left on the schedule as of now. Right. A pretty clear run through the Coastal if they want to run through that division again. I think they'll get challenges from North Carolina and a couple others, but the path back to Charlotte's pretty open. So this problem will take care of itself where they're ranked if they continue to win. Yeah, if they continue to win is certainly the key, but does that pose a devil's advocate and negative stance that you're talking about? Yeah, they have the path to the Coastal and they can win the conference, but they did want to take a step up this year from where they were last year. You had that bad loss to Western Michigan. You did have another loss on the schedule. That kind of bumped them out of a playoff conversation, even as a conference champ. Certainly that Western Michigan game is a game that Pitt fans feel like they let go. That probably would have put them in the playoff based on how things went landscape wise and college football they went they eventually got revenge on it but the sites were higher pat narduzzi was saying before the season that they want to take a step up and not have that be an aberration there were some desmond howard in particular that did say they would be a playoff team if you look at the schedule in front of you based on what we've seen so far if you run through a whole season for example and your only loss is to say a top 15 top 12 top 10 even if they would get a couple wins that you're talking about against Tennessee and you do win the conference again is it the fact that Pitt doesn't have that many rank wins that'll keep them out of the playoff or do they still have a playoff chance if Tennessee really keeps kicking butt any power five conference champion with one loss or less has a chance they just can't lose again no no two lost team has made the playoff that's one one of my three right. simple the three simple rules to making the playoff that I always tell people are and one. Pitt is 24th, by the way. I finally looked it up. They're officially 24th. So I'm in the ballpark. It's not like I'm right too far off there. Um, so like I said, the three simple rules are being a Power 5 conference with one exception, Cincinnati last year, go undefeated from a Power 5 conference or don't lose twice. Once you lose twice, you're out. So right. as long as they continue to win, I do think from, and we can get in more in the national spotlight later, but the Big 12 yeah. will probably cannibalize itself. I don't see a playoff team in the Big 12. The Pac-12 okay. is banking on USC. Right. And then the Big 10 and S the SEC will probably get Georgia and Alabama. The Big 10, we'll see if anybody can even hang with Ohio State. And that leaves the ACC champ an opening. So if you go 12 and 1. And you could have a scenario that I know people are going to hate, but if you go through a whole season and Michigan gets only losses to Ohio State runs the table, you're going to have mm -hmm. an argument of those two both being in the playoffs. Well, what if Pitt is eleven and one? You, what you want to do, honestly, is root for Clemson to go twelve and zero because it's the most visible team in the ACC from a national right. perspective. So you get right. Clemson twelve and zero, Pitt eleven and one, then you take your swing. But as Pat Narduzzi would probably, he would probably slap me for even bringing this conversation up because it's about winning the next game and all that kind of stuff. And sure, and Pitt's right. got to take care of that. They've got to avoid an ACC hiccup to make that happen. Yeah, and that has happened in, in past years, of course. Even did happen last year, despite the loss to Western Michigan really being the issue. I think maybe what Pitt fans would argue and be annoyed with, the strength of schedule does really, really matter. If you look at the AP right now, Pitt being 24th, and you have Florida State ranked right above them. You have Wake Forest right above them at 23 and 22 off that AP. So you're seeing teams in their conference that are ranked right above them and Pitt had their quarterback go down and played a team that's vying for the top 15, whereas Florida State's running through a schedule that I'm sure many are going to say has not been as tough so far, maybe even the same for Wake. So that'll be the annoyance for Pitt fans. They did play a tough schedule 
certainly the first two games. You have an arch rival who's 70 miles away from you, even though WWE is not ranked right now that we'll get to. And then Tennessee getting revenge from a year ago. This one was home, but still, those were two games they're risking. They lost one, and the, the voters basically penalized them with a quarterback down in comparison to a team that ran through an easier schedule. So that's always going to be the conversation every year is you want to win games, but there's always going to be a team that maybe wins more with an easier schedule. And then is it a detriment to schedule games that are fun, that are rivals, that are tough, that you could lose occasionally. And then if you do lose being out of there, Bill Bender again of the Sporting News talking with me here on Mic Drop as we're talking college football so far. We just talked Pitt, so I do want to then segue to West Virginia, who we do cover at WB Sports now, and I actually am on the WB. And the Mountaineers, not a ranked team right now. They're not worrying about a top 25. they got to worry about getting over 500 and winning the game as we're speaking. And they are coming off of a solid win in Blacksburg. I think Virginia Tech's overrated. That home field seemingly is a bit overrated. They've lost three games each of the prior two seasons before this year. There, they're not a ranked team, but WVU didn't just win. They won handily, obviously beat up an FCS team. They have the bad loss to Kansas, but that's a Kansas team that honestly, in my top 25, I have Kansas ranked right now. And they're certainly right there knocking on the door. So if Kansas stays ranked, that's no longer a bad loss, despite being 13 and a half point favorites entering. And I've been more critical of that game than anybody else on the beat, but that's looking better and better. You obviously lose to Pitt, but Pitt is still a ranked team. And we just talked about how the Panthers maybe could argue as being a a better ranked team than they currently are. What are your thoughts now on the state of the Mountaineer program? Maybe in comparison to when we actually talked a few weeks ago, I'm looking at a lot of these betting odds of the first coach to be fired or the second coach to be fired and the next guy to be fired. Neil Brown is no longer on those lists. He was definitely right up there at the top a few weeks ago. The buyout is still hefty, but the schedule in front of West Virginia is also still pretty tough. And the bar for a lot of people is to at least get in a bowl game to keep this climb going. Got Baylor coming up there ranked. You're going to have Oklahoma State at some point, TCU at some point, obviously Texas in front. A lot of night games, a lot of national TV, but a tough schedule coming up. Do you think West Virginia is going to get in a bowl game this year? Is there a chance for a bowl plus, so better than that? Or is this still having an opportunity to go completely off the rails? No, I yes. Both ways. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> that's kind of fair, generally. That's yeah. a r- real definitive answer. But no, I mean, because of, like I was saying about the Big 12, it's very unpredictable right now. Um, I didn't see Kansas State beating Oklahoma last week, and I didn't see Kansas beating West Virginia a few weeks ago. And honestly, right. I didn't see West Virginia bouncing back the way that they have. So like you said, I think Neil Brown is hot seats on a, a lower burn right now <laughs> than, than, say, Brian Harson at Auburn. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I think, yeah, they could get to a bowl game. They could they could split Big 12 play. They could also go four and eight because when I do the bowl projections for us at Sporting News each week, that is the conference that gives me the the biggest excuse to go up and grab a couple aspirin because I literally get a headache looking at it. So, um, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, so I, I think the potential is there. JT Daniels stays healthy and hopefully that offense continues to work into a groove. But in the yeah. Big 12, it's just so unpredictable. So I'll say – I'm going to say yes. I'll give you an actual answer. I think they do make a bull game, but it's probably right at that 6-6, six and 7-5 six, and five record. Yeah, similar to last year. They ended up 6-7 and seven, losing a mediocre bull game after winning a solid one the year before and thinking they were climbing. So I think that's why there's angst amongst Mountaineer Nation. But the buyout, which you know is important, especially at maybe not a, a, an elite power program, kind of a tier below – we're looking at almost $17 million if they would make that call right now. That's probably why he's not on those those odds lists when you're talking, talking right. about Auburn. Even Jimbo Fisher has better odds as a former national title winner over Neil Brown right now at 20 to 1. And, of course, that's going to be partly because of the buyout. But, yeah, the Mountaineers have won a couple games in a row. I think the most important thing for WU is the defense. You bring up JT Daniels. You bring up the offense. Graham Harrell there. Hearing those guys talk, they're just so smart. Graham Harrell could certainly be again at a higher level program sometime in the future if he does not get a head coaching job. I think if they do move on from Neil Brown, I would probably interview Graham Harrell right now, even though he's only 37 years old, to try to make sure he doesn't get out of there because coaches may call him next year. 
and JT Daniels sounds like a future coach, even though obviously he wants to play longer. I mean, these guys are just geniuses and the offense 42 points and lost to Kansas at home. It's a team game, but this team is two and two because the defense has let that offense down when it was supposed to be the strong suit, but the defense has turned it around, has picked up their game, has played a lot better. It is FCS. It is an overrated Virginia tech team. We'll see about Texas, but the defense has really imposed their will a lot more. And that I think gives Mountaineer fans hope of turning this around and maybe even being more than just a bowl appearance. If they're going to have some upset wins, it'll be because of the defense. The defense almost beat Pitt, even though JT Daniels on the offense was clicking. Yeah, well, it's a statistical anomaly, too. I just looked it up here that their their total defense is second in the Big 12, but their scoring defense is last. So, I mean, that's, to me, you got to take advantage. I mean, that's that's a very weird stat if you really think about it. Um, Well, the first turnover of the season was that game sealer uh, in Blacksburg, and really the game was already over at that point, but they hadn't created a turnover prior to that point and it includes Charles Woods being hurt right so I mean you know that they're a team like I said if you look at the schedule and um kind of try to chart I always try to chart them out win loss win loss I mean right you know it starts with the Texas game which unpredictable and then you're gonna play four ranked teams as of now yeah. they've got schedule. a they got to steal one or two of those but and then Texas I'm telling you it's like Texas Tech and TCU aren't easy outs so no all of no. all of those big 12 teams are pretty yeah. Even with the exception, I, I still think Oklahoma is the most talented team or maybe Oklahoma State. So sure. they'll get their swings. Yeah. And Oklahoma now has a, a loss on their schedule. I don't know whether you're going to call it a bad one, but they do have a loss on their schedule. We'll see what Kansas State does. Oklahoma State feels like the darling of the conference right now. But yeah, they may just implode themselves as well. That's kind of Oklahoma State's thing to do at the end of the year. And it's going to just be a tough road. I mean, I don't think it'd be shocking for anybody if West Virginia would lose all of these games that we're talking about. Certainly, it'd be surprising if they won them all. But if they split them, they should probably have a chance at at least a bowl appearance. And I think if they get at least to that level with a tougher mm-hmm. schedule this year, it is easier to sell to the fans. Look, the buyout's really high. Who else are we really going to get? Graham Harrell, unless he's leaving, that might be then a real heart-to-heart if he gets a job offer. What do you got to do right then? But you have a great recruiting class coming in. In fact, for the next couple years with Rodney Gallagher here out of Western Pennsylvania, that could be a game-changer player from what a lot are saying and what I've even seen in front of me. And, you know, another season like last year at least isn't dipping down. So maybe then climb next year when the schedule maybe gets a little easier, depending on what happens with conference realignment if those teams are out of there next year. And Texas is actually a, a program that West Virginia actually has been able to beat. They, they, they have never beat Oklahoma in the Big 12, but they have had no problem beating Texas with several big wins. And Texas, I, I believe West Virginia is the only team they don't have an above 500 record in, in the Big 12, which is just right. bizarre because West Virginia has had a couple solid years, but certainly has had some some average ones in the mix there. Again, Bill Bender from the Sporting News. This is Mike Drop on the Believe Network and the Sports Now family of networks. We talked Pitt. We talked West Virginia. I do also want to be fair here and talk Penn State off of Nittany Sports Now of our coverage over there. Penn State is a team that honestly, I'll, I'll tell you right now, Bill, the first couple games, they got a real solid ranking. They're flirting with the top 15 already after two games. I wasn't sold yet. They struggled against Purdue. Yeah, you beat up Ohio and beat the spread, which I didn't think they were due. But what could you make of that? You're looking at a lower-level program in Purdue that nobody really thinks much of this year. But then to get the big win over Auburn, that kind of woke people up and said, okay, yeah, Auburn might be down. We did talk about the coach being up there. And he's actually at nine to four in odds to be the next guy to go down and get the ax after Scott Frost. But still, that's a tough place to play. Like we were saying with West Virginia going to Blacksburg and they got a win. They got a win convincingly. We then see them able to kind of also get through maybe some muddy waters against the team. Maybe they should have really handled in in central Michigan. They eventually did get the big victory. And now you're looking at a Penn state team that legitimately is looking at maybe a top 10 situation. Yeah. You have Ohio state. Yeah. You have Michigan right up there in the top five, but if Penn state keeps on winning, they will be able to have some big games coming up. They really could maybe have a real special season, at least in conference play. What do you make 
of Penn State so far? And what do you think their ceiling is in comparison to those elite teams? Because their fans are going to really want to gauge them against those elite teams, especially after a down year last year. But right now, Penn State's really riding high. And despite some issues at QB and some controversy of who people want to start there, you can't be mad at the record, at least as we stand. Right. It, it reminds me of Georgia last year where everybody wanted to replace Stetson Bennett and he kept winning. I mean, right now, Sean Clifford's winning. I mean, right. you can say what you want about him. I uh, came in in the Purdue game, made the plays. Uh, engineer took a, just a ridiculous hit in that Auburn game and got up, first of all. Right. And then uh, I think what's going for them is the running game. You know, Nick Singleton, that freshman running back, they haven't overused him. Yeah. So when he gets into the Michigan game here in a couple of weeks, they're probably going to feed him, or at least they should. It'll give him the best chance to win there. Uh, the defensive secondary is not bad. I mean, they've got some NFL players back there. So you you said it. I mean, we're going to find out all we need to know about Penn State when they go to Michigan. Um, right. I believe James Franklin's won there one time. And uh, Michigan and Penn State kind of trade that label of, here's the team that's going to challenge Ohio State this year. So that game will decide that, honestly. Um, the winner, you know, Ohio State has to come to them. Ohio State, I don't think, is getting beat in the Big Ten. I'm just going to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, right. Saw them last week. They're so fast on offense. They're so <laughs> They fast. look ridiculous. And, yeah, right. they got to get some tests, too. Their schedule, you're looking at Notre Dame as the best right. winner. Obviously, they've been exposed this year. So you're going to have the people that are going to say that, yeah, Notre, Ohio State does this every year, but we got to see it against quality teams. But they will they'll show you it's going to happen soon. They're fast. And and so for right. Penn State, it'll be their season will be a referendum on how they do in those two games. And I don't think Drew Allar, the talented five-star freshman, is going to play much out. I think they're going to ride with Clifford. It's kind of how I feel about Clemson. They're going to ride with DJ. And you want to see – I get that that's our mentality as sports writers and fans right. is you want to see that five-star freshman. But um, I just think Sean, this is Sean Clifford's show, and especially in those big games at Michigan and then at home against the Buckeyes when they come into town. It's hard to bench the veteran who's winning. <laughs> So, I right. mean, that, that that's really the conversation that you're having. And imagine the scenario if you do bend Sean Clifford and then you do lose a game, especially if it's not to Michigan or Ohio State. Even if you win every other one, that will be pointed to forever, and that'll be crippling for some fans for James Franklin, not saying he's going anywhere. But there are some that want a lot more from him for what that program is and what they expect it to be. So that'll be something that people will never get over if that is a decision that is made Wow, you're winning. <laughs> so that that's really that's really an issue right now for Penn State. Michigan had an issue before the season on who they were going to start at QB. They had to go through a couple games before they made the decision. That's actually pretty much a common theme. And you did bring up Georgia managed to make make that call and then end up going to win a national championship. And even JT Daniels having been there before and he he was winning. And then again, you leave whether it be an injury or a decision. Team keeps winning without you. So some teams are just so good. They honestly would probably win with whoever is in there because when you have a depth chart at an elite program, your top two quarterbacks probably could start at a lot of schools out there and are, are often high recruits. Look at the Oklahoma situation right. of the past a year ago. But Penn State has a veteran who is winning, who's also going up those career touchdown charts and, and setting records there at Penn State. It is hard to pull the trigger right now. Again, Bill Bender of the Sporting News is we're talking college football. And now I want to talk about college football overall and the national scene. And we do cover, I do cover Pitt, West Virginia, and Penn State throughout our network, throughout our region. Unless it's Penn State, although maybe Pitt, if they can run through the entire table and win the conference again, I'm not so sure if I have any of these teams looking at a playoff spot right now. Yeah, if you expand things, and they're going to eventually expand things, it's a whole different conversation. But as we stand with these four teams, and right now, by the way, Penn State is 11 in the AP. So another win, depending on what happens, is always an upset every week. They certainly could crawl in there. But you already have two conference teams above them. But currently, and this is just off the AP, Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, and Michigan are that top four. Clemson knocking at the door. And pretty much in everybody's ranking, the Michigan-Clemson conversation is probably the toughest, Bill, because mm -hmm. you have two teams that are undefeated. Neither team has really totally dominated against a really quality opponent. Both have struggled at times, but ended up winning Clemson most recently, even though that was a good team they faced. They maybe didn't do as well as some would think, but they got the win, and that, again, is the most important thing. 
the Michigan issue for some, I guess, would be that Ohio State's already there from the Big Ten. And if you have Georgia and Bama both winning out and then whoever loses the conference title game, you're going to only have one loss to the other. So you're going to probably put them both in again. And then people are not going to want to have, especially with conference realignment the way it is in the future, basically being everybody in the SEC and Big Ten. Can you imagine a scenario where you have the top four this year's playoff after the whole offseason of drama, two SEC and two Big Ten? Obviously, that would annoy some fans. But if that if that's the case, that might be the case. And then Clemson, you're going to have to see what they do throughout their schedule if they do end up winning the conference and getting revenge from last year. What are your current top four? And how do you kind of see this shaking out? Does anybody outside of those five teams I mentioned have a legitimate chance to knock on the door and get in the top four this year? Still a lot of season to go. Well, I think Georgia's won. I mean, they they messed around with Kent last week, but they're still right. their their gear, their speed on defense, the way they're playing, they're the best team in the SEC right now. And Alabama's right there with them. I mean, Alabama isn't going to get in the game with Georgia and be like, we don't have enough talent to win this one. For them, it's uh, cleaning yeah. up the mistakes. Alabama, here here's a. Kind Did the Texas a, game give you pause at all? Because Texas then got upset to Texas Tech, and we'll see about West Virginia. If they lose again to an unranked West Virginia team, does that really hurt the whole case of Bama bragging about a one-point win over Texas? Not if they go to Arkansas, which is kind of what sure. I was going to – this is my kind of not-so-fearless prediction. for. The, I think they go to Arkansas and hammer them this weekend. Okay. And then that opens people's eyes. They'll be like, oh, yeah, Alabama's awesome. So, But to your point, yeah, I mean, like the Texas win was – barely for starters and then also so many penalties that wasn't the Alabama team I'm used to watching on the road even last year when they scraped by it wasn't that ugly so it's a big weekend for them from a perception standpoint no matter what the score is I think Ohio State's a solid three trending towards two we talked about their offense and then four would be I mean we talked you talked about Michigan Clemson that's kind of the argument and then USC I would rope in there and the question becomes which one of those three has the easiest path to the playoff? It's probably Clemson if they beat NC State, depending on when they play this weekend with Hurricane Ian, which oh sure want them to do that safely, obviously. Um, right. And then Michigan, what can they survive? First of all, Iowa this weekend. They play terrible when they go to Iowa. Keep an eye on that one. So yeah, I yeah. would put Clemson there for now, but it's not like a – lock like I'm all over it I I think there's plenty of other teams that get in the mix there sure does Michigan and and this is a conversation that will be had if Michigan takes care of business and then you eventually see that rivalry game take takes place and it seemingly is always a situation like this every year for at least two teams but if you have Clemson run through the ACC and they're a conference champ and then you have Michigan go through everything with just maybe the Ohio State hiccup where Ohio State is still the conference champ because they're just so freaking talented and they seemingly do own Michigan at this point, then what do you do in the debate that's going to exist? Because Michigan's loss would then be to a team that's actually ranked better than Clemson. But if Clemson hasn't lost, that hypothetical scenario will be the annoyance for for probably that final week of the season if it does come to that. It's hard to tell a team like Michigan – you basically got to go undefeated when Ohio State's in your conference to get in the playoff when we do have teams that lose sometimes one game and still get in. That is a really tough thing to have to tell them, but that could be a scenario that exists, that that game, if they don't win it, could make them the fifth team in the country. Yeah, I mean, and that's but the the committee loves to fall back on something different every year. This year it could be the conference championship game. This year it could be – and it, some of it to me, it always depends on the score. Um, yeah, I go back all the way back to 2006 when, and this was in the BCS era when Michigan played Ohio State one versus two, 42 to 39. In my opinion, that should have been a rematch. Like they, they put Florida in, I get the reasons right. why, and then it, it worked itself out. But you do, we have seen rematch before, year. though. We, we saw Bama and Georgia right. do a rematch, so we have right. seen them do a rematch regardless of system. Yeah. And the last three times we've saw it in the title game, the team that lost, they basically split. So I don't know what that solves, right? Like Georgia won last year, Bama, and then uh, Florida and Florida state. I mean, we remember that game. So yeah, I I think 
that scenario will be out there, but it just depends on the score. It depends on what they're leaning on. And they do emphasize the conference champion as like a pseudo tiebreaker. But if Michigan goes to Ohio Stadium and gets crushed, which has happened the last two times, it would probably, unfortunately, eliminate them from the playoff. Yeah, even if they win prior to that. But there's also the scenario that I'm sure Michigan fans would really then get irate if they're both a one-loss team and Clemson gets hicked, you know, gets a hiccup yeah. prior to that because they have ranked teams in the ACC. So if they do lose if, and they still win the ACC, I don't know if it's an eliminator if they're losing to a right. team that's 15th in the country or something like that. But if they have a loss to a 15th-ranked team and Michigan has a loss to the number two or three team in the country, they both have one loss, but one's a conference champ, the other's not – they probably would take Clemson, but I'm sure that would then be a very controversial situation because your loss is to a team that is better off the same people that are picked. It, it, it's why that eventually we're going to now get right. the expanded playoffs. So I got two more for you, Bill. Number mm-hmm. one, what are your thoughts on the expanded playoff? Are you happy we're getting to 12? Because I will tell you to lead in. I thought it might have made more sense to go to eight first. You'd have all these conference champs. You'd have room for a couple wild cards, which could be Georgia and Michigan seemingly every year if they're always runners up. And then maybe if a Cincinnati or a UCF does an undefeated situation as a group of five or whatever it's going to be, then maybe you throw them in. If if there's not an undefeated group of five, then maybe you throw in another team who's a power five. You have wild card opportunities like every pro sport does, and you're basically a pro sport. Going to 12, to me – waters it down a little bit in the regular season because you're very likely potentially going to have the number three ranked team in a conference that's not even playing in a conference championship game when we get rid of divisions that will make potentially a playoff. And that seems like maybe a three or four loss team who's not even in a conference title game, especially if they're a power five, shouldn't be still in the mix. But when you get to 12, very likely could be. Yeah, it's... The way I phrase it is it's going to change the way we watch the game, whether you like it or not. It's going to feel more like the NFL. I, I, I'm, you know, I use this yeah. example with Steelers and Browns fans from a couple years ago. I remember when this playoff expansion talk started, I said, okay, yeah. so under this, the way you watch the NFL is nobody in Cleveland remembers going to Pittsburgh and getting <laughs> destroyed. They remember coming back and beating them in the playoff. Right. And, and that's how it's going to change. It, the the NFL watching experience to me, and, and full disclosure, I'm a Packers fan, like it allows you to throw away a game like the Vikings game in week one. Right. You're like, right. oh, who cares? 100%. We'll see them later. Is college football isn't designed like that, right? And, and I used, so like Pitt and West Virginia from week one and all the emotion that they had and hadn't seen you in a decade and all that kind of stuff. And It was like a championship game. Really? Right. No. And and, no. and in this 12-team format, it's going to be, well, if both teams are really good, we may see you again. Like, right. And that does change the watching experience. I think I'm with you. I think they skipped a step in some ways. Eight would have been the right number. Um, it's very inclusive, this new playoff. I'm surprised at how inclusive yeah. it is. Because right. you're getting right. – you're pulling – we had all this realignment where really, to me, there's three conferences that have the most power. It's the Pac-10, Big Ten – and then the ACC yeah. and everybody else. And yet we're going to put in all these conference champions. So it kind of short changes. Let's say there's a year where the ACC had three, 10, 11, and one teams. Maybe one of them's not getting in at the expense of a conference champion from a le- lesser diverse de- yeah. deserving conference. That's that's part of my problem with it. But And, and as we stand, Notre Dame's not in a conference. And right. when they entered the season, they were ranked 11. So they were in what would have been the expanded playoff when we entered the season off projections. They obviously have lost. You lose the Marvel. They're totally out of the picture. However, right. in a normal year with their normal schedule if you don't lose to Marshall and basically do what they do every year where they go through a schedule with about three ranked teams, usually one or two losses, maybe even one, they're they're in the top 12 every other year. So they're going to have to be put in. And then what do you do with seeding? Is that fair to them to make them be a 12 seed if they only have one loss to a number three team in the country or if they're undefeated and now they're 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 a six lot they're a six seed at best because they're not in a conference. Are you trying to force them in a conference? Uh, is that the whole goal here maybe? Um like you know that's a whole mix there that's going to be hurting probably the group of five team because if Notre Dame has to get in as a quote unquote wild card it's going to be hard to get Notre Dame, right. Group of Five, and all these conference runners up also in. So maybe that was the thinking to go to twelve. Because if you had eight, you're still probably leaving one of them out. But as you mentioned, it's very inclusive to have that fix 
which isn't really always what college football is wanted to be. They kind of just wanted to take the money and they didn't care about the fifth or sixth ranked team in the country, but now they do. Right. And that's, you know, the, this is, I, I used the analogy from Fargo on a couple podcasts where I said, you know, there was that scene from the TV show where <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton asked Lester, is this what you want? Right. And then you didn't realize what the consequences would be. And this is what people wanted. They wanted more yeah. teams in the playoff. Okay. Right. You're getting it, but yeah. you are getting a league. You're getting a, a sport that to me will, and I love, I don't, I'm not one of those guys that like says, college football so much better than the nfl i love both i love watching college football it's possible you can watch you, both and like you both. are allowed to like both <laughs> you but can. i do think they're right. pushing college football to resemble the yeah. nfl which is the most successful pro sports league in this country right now yeah and it's not close like the gap between sure. the nfl and everything else is enormous right and you're gonna i'm sure the conversation was do we really want to do this oh there's all this money that can be made we're going to do it. <laughs> so right. obviously there's money that can be made there. And I don't know if they're ever going to expand beyond 12, because then you're probably looking at four lost teams and go get, get really ridiculous. But, and then you have the whole top 25 getting in at some point. <laughs> so why are you even doing the rankings? But the money will always be there. If they went to 64 for crying out loud, I'm sure they make tons of money and they just would never stop. They want it to be a year round thing. They want to bleed as far as they can into getting to the NFL draft right. season and where the Super Bowl is. They want to have that conversation be as long as it can to when people are, are really transitioning to the NFL and usually done with college football, you have these traditional bowl games. It will certainly water down a lot of the other bowl games, maybe even those New Year's Six games, if there if there's ever a year where they're not part of the playoff. And when you get to 12, I guess they all would be. But that would really then water down whoever's playing as the seventh-ranked, 17th-ranked team in what they're trying to tell you is a big-deal bowl game. They just missed out in a playoff with probably at least three losses. So how will that feel? Uh, Bill Bender of the Sporting News here joining me on Mic Drop. Last thing I do want to ask, you here because there have been some changes to the top 25 to this point based on what we saw preseason wise and certainly after weeks one or two we're now a quarter of the way through the season as we're talking right now but things always can change we talked about a lot of the teams that are at the top of the rankings and even some teams there at the back end but is there a team that is number one really surprised you that is that is going to be ranked you think will stay ranked that actually can have a real legitimate season that was not amongst the preseason top 25 or at least expected to do anything. And then is there another team that really has disappointed? They were right up there in the beginning of the season, and now they're out, and there's really not a path for them to get into even a solid season, let alone talking about playoff or conference championship or New Year's Six, et cetera. All right. Well, they played last weekend. Uh, Minnesota destroyed Michigan State. That's not a game that I anticipated seeing. Um the way that PJ PJ Fleck has a team that's probably going to play in the Big Ten championship game. Right. If you look at their schedule, they they only have to they do play Penn State. That's going to be a huge game here in a few weeks. Um, Michigan State, a team that played Pitt in the bowl game at like last year, obviously. Um, yeah. there was a little bit of back and forth with Pat and you know, winning the Big Ten, that kind of thing in the offseason. But right, right. For them to go to Washington and Kenneth and Walker and, play Kenneth Walker yeah. and Kenny Pickett situation, yeah. Yeah. And for Washington to We're not playing. for them to go to Washington lay an egg. And then come back and just get destroyed by Minnesota. And this week, they're actually a uh, seven and a half point underdog against Maryland. That's not something Michigan State was a top 10 team to start the season. Yeah. So, yeah, Mel Tucker's gonna, I don't think hot seat or anything like that, but definitely not something I expected. And then I think ACC wise, I would throw in, you know, a team that's, that's a little bit better than I, I think NC State, like their defense has been great but the offense hasn't been just out, out of this world. And I, I expected right. a little more And Miami's obviously yeah. <laughs> in a universe where they're losing to middle Tennessee state there. There's no way I know it's Mario Cristobal. I know it's a new program, but that is one result. I, anybody said, yeah, middle <laughs> Tennessee is going to beat them by three scores. I'd have said, uh, yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously we already talked about Notre Dame with the Marshall loss. They were right in there at the beginning of the season. I could bring up again, and this would certainly help the West Virginia cause, Kansas uh, been one of the worst power fives the last decade. If they keep on winning, regardless of who they're playing, and they did play Duke, it's not like they won by 40 points. They, they kind of got through it, and they eventually got a victory. They will likely have some losses this year, but if they win seven or eight games, that's a big turnaround for Kansas, and that actually could buy – for the conference based on how much of potentially a train wreck it'll be at the rest of the year with everyone beating up on each other. Miami, uh, every year somebody says Miami's a sexy pick. Oh man, they could buy for the ACC. They're going to be back. They're getting close. 
I don't know if I thought it would happen this year, but I certainly didn't think they'd lose to Middle Tennessee State. It appears that instead of on the trajectory to be eventually back in two or three years, who knows if it'll take six again and they'll be firing a coach again. I mean, that that's just really, really bad. You mentioned NC State. Them being a top-10 team, I, I think, is, is surprising. Maybe even Wake again. And, yeah, Michigan State, it almost feels like an aberration. You can't fire a coach who's coming off of a major bowl victory, really, out of nowhere, seemingly. But a Heisman candidate, that season, and you hadn't really done it before in a while, it looks like that's an aberration if now the, the, the wheels just fall off. You mentioned Maryland. I think Maryland could be thrown in there as maybe a surprise team on the positive side. They're winning games, even though these been, these have been close games, and maybe they, they should have beat Michigan to kind of fix the whole debate that we well, talked about. with them, the, I, the thing that surprised me, people wanted to make that all about Michigan, and they're not he, they're human, and they're right, overrated. Right, right. It, it, to me, it wasn't about that at all. It was Maryland actually looked – like they had some guys on the perimeter that could guard yeah. Michigan. It's another season. season with the same team. People thought right. they were going to be good last year. They kind of fell off at the end, but now it's another year with Tua and company. But yeah, yeah they're, they're not winning. bad, and they got some receivers that can play. So that that Michigan State Maryland game will have my attention this weekend, and not for like the playoff, but just right. to gauge that. I mean, keep in mind, Mike, Michigan State paid Mel Tucker a lot of money yeah, last year. Off one so, year. Yeah. so, um. That will be interesting to see what the fallout is if they lose that game. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of season left to go. A lot more, uh, hopefully, hoodie and short season here to come. <laughs> Halloween will then show up once we get to Halloween. We'll really have a gauge of what's going on. And right now, we're looking at four teams still in the playoff. Although, of course, this is another one of those years that it does feel like there's going to be a debate. There's going to be a team that's going to get, right. quote-unquote, screwed. And maybe that's actually a negative that I don't know if they, they really thought of, that as much as it's more fair to have more than four, and I think you had to at least get to eight, I will close it by saying that you're not going to have legitimate debates with the 14th ranked team versus the 12. Yeah, they right. might argue and say we should have been there, but you're looking at three, maybe four, certainly at least two losses by that point. What are we doing in terms of debating? It won't be the same fire or legitimacy of arguing five versus four or six versus four. Like if USC is undefeated and they're not in because say Cle Michigan beats Ohio state and Clemson's right. also undefeated, then USC could legitimately have an argument if they're not in as the sixth ranked team that wouldn't exist later. And all those debates of teams either undefeated or with one loss conference champ, not conference champ strength of schedule between four, five, six, seven, that's actually good for the sport. That's how they do right. actually get any conversation that's not the NFL in December or January. If that goes away, does your social media engagement diminish, right. decrease? And maybe that's in terms of casual fans. Are they caring as much? Etc. You won't have a conference champ who gets screwed like in past years. My wife's a Penn State alum. She's still bringing up. I don't care about winning the conference. We won the conference before and didn't get in. That right. won't happen when you get to 12. <laughs> so Right. And, 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 to me, I always enjoy taking digs at the uh, pools don't matter crowd because to me that's one of the unique things about college football. I always say there's no substitute for playing number one. When you go in and beat yeah. number one, if Arkansas does it, they're going to storm the field because they beat number right, one. Right, even if they you know think what they're a good team, right. Even if they're not number one, you can still hold it up. And I think right. this is the only sport where you can do that. Um, right. And I think – Preseason pools, that's a, a separate debate. But to yeah. me, I like having them stacked up. I like the debate. I mean, that's part of the reason this sport works. And it's part of the reason you and I are able to talk about all of these schools that, you know, may or may not make the playoff. Now, in a 12-team format, I think you and I's conversations and how we break this down are obviously going right. to change very much. 100%. I mean, Pitt and Penn State are in a much better situation. Penn State probably could handle one or two losses and still get in. Yeah, it's a whole different world if that's the case. And then... You also have a situation, really, Bill, that I don't know if this is thought of either. You get into a conference title game that is supposed to be for everything everyone cares about, and they still may want it for bragging rights. But if you're Georgia and Bama, you know you're in the playoff. Even if you lose the conference championship game, are you then sitting out? Uh, is your Heisman candidate right. sitting out that game? Because I'm already in. I'm looking at draft money. How am I risking myself to be a one seed versus a two seed if you're guaranteeing me I'm at least right. a two seed because I'm in the SEC and I'm Georgia or Bama? They obviously don't want that. That's where the conferences would get really mad. But Bryce Young, you could say, well, we're a two seed. We're going to beat anybody we have in front of us. We could probably win without me. What am I doing playing if I got draft money in front of me? That is a thing that could happen. 
the conference championship games rule in college football is also going to change just like it does for college basketball. This isn't a perfect comparison, but you know, when Duke or North, I always go to Duke, sorry. But when I get Duke in a college basketball tournament and they're number one in the country and they lose in the second round of the ACC tournament to Virginia, maybe it means they lose a a seating line. Right. Maybe. Right. Maybe. maybe. But now what does that mean in the conference? I think the rule of the conference championship games is going to change slightly because of the scenario you just painted. Yeah. And and if it does, though, that could also change on how and these schedules are done years in advance. mm -hmm. But the whole thing like Pitt did, I'll schedule the brawl. Then I got Tennessee, West Virginia, three straight years on the road against non-conference rivals, Maryland, Pitt, and then next year it's going to be at Penn State. They're going to play Penn State and Pitt both next year. Uh, yeah, Pitt will be at home. This year they played Pitt and Virginia Tech. These these out-of-conference natural rivals that are really, really cool to play, it might be a conversation where you have a come-to-Jesus meeting with your program and say, look, we can play one of them every year. We right. can't play two because we right. can't lose them both and then try to make something happen if we're not going to win a conference. So that's a whole another debate, too, that you may lose that, and that's what fans really like right now from this year, that you're kind of getting that old-school feel. But maybe certain tournaments and certain games will still be important. Winning the Big East tournament for those right. those years in the past in college basketball was still a really, really big deal, even though it didn't necessarily mean you had to do it to get in the tournament. So maybe that'll be the case with some of these games. But who knows? Bill, I definitely appreciate the time. I hope to be doing this again with you because I'm sure that whenever we do it again, we'll have a lot more to talk about. And everything we just said so far will probably <laughs> – all be meaningless and maybe yeah. we'll look like idiots or maybe we'll be correct and can, can brag to the subscribers, right. readers and, and viewers. But I appreciate the time, man. Yeah. Let's catch up before the college football playoff rankings. And uh, you know, always a pleasure to come on your show and you know, I'll, I'll definitely have a thicker sweatshirt on the next time we talk because it'll be <laughs> cold here in Ohio. So thanks I'm again. Sure. I appreciate it. Check us out at sporting news. Uh, we've yeah. got a ton of content over there. We're excited. Absolutely. Again, Bill Bender from the Sporting News. Definitely appreciate the time, man. As I've talked with him before, he covers the whole scope, but can really dive into certain regions. He's also not far from us. I got to meet him in person sometime soon. I'm in Pittsburgh. He's in Ohio. We got to get it done. But again, Bill Bender of the Sporting News. Happy to have talked with him there. Again, want to remind you, you can subscribe, download, listen here to Mike Drop with the Believe Network, everywhere you can find your podcast. We're talking about Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. You can also find these shows throughout our Sports Now family of networks, Pittsburgh Sports Now, WV Sports Now, Nittany Sports Now, especially when we're talking about college football like we just did with Bill. And I got to say, Pitt is a team that they got to start flexing their muscles. Talked with Eric McLean about this of the ACC network. Getting wins, I think the issue is, yeah, you got to win in a road place that's really tough. Maybe they shouldn't even have scheduled it. It's a whole other conversation another day. On the road against the MAC team at night, that's a big deal. That's really, really cool. But you got to really flex your muscles if your schedule's not too difficult in front of you. And if you're probably going to lose another game, and yeah, Tennessee's a good loss right now, but you did lose. These teams in front of you have not lost in some examples. So you got to really flex your muscles and dominate. We will have probably, I think we're going to get there, and I think it's going to be really a fun debate if Michigan keeps this up, even if they're crawling through and Ohio State's their only loss, regardless of whether they're in or win the conference title game. It's hard to kick them out with that only with that only being their loss because Ohio State's going to be right there all year in the top four. I think we know right now Bama, Georgia, and Ohio State are always going to be in that top four unless somebody loses in real upset fashion. We'll see what 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 upsets otherwise. I don't think Penn State's a playoff team, but they certainly have a New Year's Six opportunity if they keep on winning. And I do think they're behind Michigan, Ohio State, but Michigan's a team they might have a chance against if they win that, obviously. That'll flip things. And the Mountaineers, I said it before the year, Neil Brown got to get in the bowl game this year to get off the hot seat for me, okay? The buyout means he's not going to get fired this year. That's why he's off those odds. That's why you see Ryan Harlan. That's why you see Jimbo Fisher even. That's why you see Steve Sarkeesian. All of these guys with better odds, 14 to 1 for Steve Sarkeesian, uh, also with Texas 2 and 2 as they will meet this coming weekend as I record this show. Better odds to be fired. And, and Sark's only been there for two years, but Neil Brown has been there for four years. But the buyout in the recruiting class, and it's not Texas, they're not going to fire him right now. But if this happens again next year, you then eventually got to pull the plug just off of prestige and try to figure something out with this program with conference realignment. You got to look good on the field. And the schedule will not be easy. So despite 
a real dominating win. It was an FCS opponent against Townsend, despite a real solid win to retain the Black Diamond Trophy, keep it into perpetuity since the rivalry won't be played to what we know for a while or ever against Virginia Tech on the road, even though I do think it's an overrated place to play, but it's still a rocking atmosphere there. That was a night game. That was a big game. Those are big wins. The defense played really, really well. The offense had to overcome adversity, but still has played really, really well this year. Kansas is a ranked team for me, certainly close to it for everybody else. That's not a bad loss anymore, or at least as bad, even though it's certainly not a good loss. I won't go that far. And then Pitt's a ranked team. You were on the road there, so okay, you were not a favorite. You actually covered the spread. However, if you just keep on losing these games, even if they're against good teams, that's not going to do anything for you. They will need some upsets. They will need some wins. Yes, if they go through it and win seven or eight, which nobody really thinks now, that Kansas game will stick out like a sore thumb. But in terms of this year, I still think a bowl game needs to happen. It can happen. It won't be easy, though, with the schedule in, in front of West Virginia. And who knows? But, yeah, if they would beat Texas, they would beat Baylor, they would beat TCU, they would start stringing off some wins against these ranked teams or quality opponents, especially on the road and Baylor at home, but it's a night game. Then who knows if they can flirt with a ranking, but I don't see that this year. But the schedule's tough in front of the Mountaineers. So that will be their problem. Again, thanks to Bill Bender of the Sporting News as he is a national college football writer there, but can also dive into each individual region that we cover throughout the Sports Now Network. I'm Mike Ostey, and we just dropped the mic. Bill and I both just dropped the mic on college football so far, especially with what we cover throughout our region. So Pittsburgh Sports Now, WB Sports Now, Nittany Sports Now for all that regional coverage. Go to those sites, go to those outlets, go to those networks on social media. And of course, the Believe Network, where you can find Mike Drop amongst tons of other shows from fellow media and notable former athletes there. Again, Believe Network, where you can find Mike Drop and more drops of the mic from myself. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.